0: That's next Sunday, next Sunday, Love Hurts. Uh, I don't know if all of you noticed, but this is our new baptismal tank, and second service, right at the beginning, we're going to do an opening song, meet and greet, and I think the number keeps changing, up and down, but I think there are 11 people getting baptized, uh, right at the beginning of second service. So you're here in first service. Uh, you can go get your coffee and just maybe uh, wait around a bit. And we'd love to have you stick around and watch those, I think, 11 people right now are going to get baptized today. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, 11 years ago, uh, we... Uh, I visited for the very first time something um, called the death clock, the internet-friendly fa- reminder that life is slipping away second by second. There it is. And you, you're, you're, you can go do this as well. When am I going to die? Um, it's the net reminder that life is really short. You enter your day, your month, year of your birth, your sex, uh, your general outlook on life, optimist, pessimist, normal, whether or not you smoke, uh, enter your BMI, your body mass index, and it actually will help you figure that out. And then you hit check your death clock. And for me, up pop Friday, November 2nd, 2046. And then it gives seconds, how many seconds, and the seconds are clicking away as you're watching. At the age of 88, rest in peace, Jeff, yeah. Now 11 years ago, bless you, when I did this, it it was a little weird, but I got to admit, seven months after triple bypass, it was extra creepy and eerie uh, for me this time. Uh, Psalm 139 verse 16 tells us, All the days ordained for you and me were written in your book, Lord, before one of them came to be. So, before we get too carried away, let's know, truly only King Jesus knows how many of us have as much time left here on earth. The Lord knows. But I'll tell you what this website does. It reminds me Life is short. Life is short. And uh, I'm going to tell you that Ecclesiastes says life is like a vapor. In view of eternity, it's almost like some of you are going to go get coffee out in the foyer after, after service. Look at the steam rolling off the coffee. And in view of eternity, that's what our lives are like. They're quick. They're over in a snap. And I'm convinced that until we're ready to face death and come to grips with the brevity of life, until we know how to die, we really don't know how to live. Until we know how to die, we're not really ready to live. Sigmund Freud, the founder of modern psychiatry, wrote this on the subject of death. He said, and finally... There is the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet to be found, nor probably ever will be. Have you noticed that secular humanists, secular psychiatrists, evolutionists, atheists, agnostics, they don't have much to say on the subject of death. They largely ignore the fact that we're all going to die. Okay, Why is that? Because, like Sigmund Freud admitted, it's a riddle they don't have answers for. They don't have remedies for death. And I'm pleased to report to you, Easter Sunday, 2023, that the Bible and Jesus spoke, speaks very clearly. Uh, God's Word has answers for us regarding the subject of death. Uh, We're going to examine a section of God's Word that has lots of answers and lots of solutions regarding a subject that every one of us better be familiar with. Because, like I said earlier, the fact is, we're all going to die. Would you locate on your phones, in your Bibles, the 15th chapter of Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to find solutions and answers and remedies regarding the subject of death. If you're able, would you stand with me? Let's read out loud together. Let's declare God's book together. Easter Sunday, 2023. Here we go. Read with me. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I'd been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Resurrection Sunday. Thank you that we get to celebrate that your Son, Jesus Christ, is alive. And Lord, thank you for these facts that we get to dig out today and remind ourselves of. We invite your Spirit today, Lord, to come And take charge in your church. We welcome you. Come and speak to us Lord. We're listening. We're ready to hear. We're ready to respond. And all the church family at Walloon Lake. Said with one resurrection voice. You can be seated. I am convinced at times we make things in church too overly complicated, too technical, too, too hard to understand uh, lots of our doctrines and our theology. Uh, and the result is many people who've attended church regularly don't really understand the essential, simple facts of the gospel. They don't understand the clear facts of God's book. So this morning, we're going to kind of go back to basics. Okay? 1 Corinthians 15 is the simple, essential facts from the Bible regarding the gospel message. And if you believe these facts and receive them by faith, then you'll be fully prepared to end well, to die with purpose, which will then enable us to live well today and be prepared to live. So until we fully understand these facts, you can't live well with purpose. Uh, here's the key fact, number one. Go back to the text, 1 Corinthians fifteen three It tells us Jesus Christ died for our sins. Say it with me. Jesus Christ died for our sins for our sins most of you know Good Friday we celebrated that this last Friday 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ was nailed to a Roman cross by Roman soldiers okay and after enduring six hours of agony on the cross they went and pleaded the Jewish officials said please get them down Passover is coming So the soldiers went to break the legs of Jesus to speed up his death. And when they found Jesus, they found that he was already dead. Okay? Again, you need to know that because uh, in the case for Christ, that's the booklet that you all got. Hopefully, you got one uh, as you came in. It was also made into a movie in 2017. Uh, investigative journalist Lee Strobel interviews a forensic pathologist and I'm telling you with gruesome detail he outlines the deathly facts of Jesus' death on a cross. Here's his conclusion. You ready? Jesus died, literally bodily died on that Roman cross. Okay, But I want you to go back to the text because that's not the key fact here. 1 Corinthians 15.3, Jesus died on the Roman cross. Why? Why did Jesus literally, bodily, physically die? He died for our what? Died for our sins. My key core problem is also your key core problem. We're sinners. We're all born with a pesky, proud, old, selfish, sinful nature. And because Jesus knew that humanity is cursed with an old sinful nature, Jesus took action. He left the glory of heaven because he knew that a holy, righteous God could never have a relationship with sinners like me and like you. Okay? God loves us, here's the first fact, and wants to have a relationship with us. God loves us, and he wants to have a relationship and experience life with him. But our sin separates us from God. Got it? So God wants to have a relationship and experience life with us, but sin separates us from God. So Jesus died for us and rose again, paying the penalty for our sin. Jesus The Son alone is the one who could make payment for our sin issue. He lived a sinless life. Therefore, Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, built the bridge to eternal life for you and me. Now note, look at verse 3. Just as the Scriptures said, just as the old section of the Bible predicted, Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, We're told a future descendant of yours, Adam and Eve, will crush the head of the serpent and he will bear the sin of the whole world. So even back in Genesis 3, it's pointing ahead towards Jesus bridging the gap on the cross. Do you understand? Jesus bridged the gap on the cross. Foundational fact number one, Okay? that brings hope even to the subject of death, Jesus Christ died for our sins. Okay? That's not complicated. That's simple and easy to understand. That's the first fact. Essential fact number two, that prepares us to die with purpose and live with purpose, verse four, here we go. Here's fact number two. Jesus was buried... And Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. That's essential fact number two. On the third day, early Sunday morning, everything changed. Okay? If Jesus just stayed in the grave and never arose from the dead, then he was just a good teacher. If Jesus stayed in the grave, he's just a good moral example Uh, He's a martyr and nothing more. But if Jesus literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead, if he really did defeat death, then Jesus is the builder of the bridge to eternal life. You understand? If he really did arise from the dead, then he defeated sin for all of humanity throughout all of history. Can you just imagine with me when Jesus died on that cross and bore upon His body all of our evil, all of the hate, the lies, the pride, the selfishness, the lust, the envy, all that Jesus took upon Himself. That's what Jesus endured on the cross for us. And at that moment, Satan and his demonic armies were dealt a fatal blow because Jesus didn't stay dead he got up out of that grave and as he walked out I'm telling you Jesus is the champion of the universe got it he is the king of the world he is the ruler of the universe and he proved that by rising from the dead okay so sin separates us from God. Every person in this room, we have the same core problem. We're sinners headed for judgment. But Jesus died for us and rose again. He paid the penalty for our sin. Why? Because God so loved the world, say it with me, that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in should not, but you can have everlasting, eternal life, okay? He bridged the gap to eternal life. So the second essential fact of Christianity that prepares us to die with purpose and that prepares us to live with purpose is this. Jesus just didn't die. Early on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead, okay? Okay? Third essential fact of biblical Christianity that prepares us to die with purpose, that prepares us to live with purpose, is this. Go back to the text. Verses 5 to 8, 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus is alive and was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. Let let that soak in. Jesus is alive and, And he was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. And they're listed out there in verses 5 to 8. Over 500 people saw Jesus. Over 500 people touched Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They talked with Jesus over the course of 40 days. Jesus was seen and he was touched and he talked with and he ate with. Uh, witness after witness. And I'm telling you, in a court of law, you know what that's called? That's called a slam dunk. In a court of law, if over 500 people stand up and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, and one after another, and now over 500 stand up, case closed, it's true. I'm telling you, 500 plus witnesses saw it. That's essential truth number three of Christianity that prepares us to die with purpose, that prepares us to live with purpose today. Jesus is alive and was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. Now here's the critical question. What are we going to do with this? information what what are we going to do with these historical biblical facts would you please find hopefully you got one of these booklets as you came in but uh, our guest services why don't you stand up and if someone didn't get a booklet we want to get you one right now so just raise up your hand we'll get one to you and we'll even offer this we've got some extras down here at front and if you have somebody you'd like to get one of these to, come and take one. Okay, But only if you're going to give it away. If you're just going to put it away and, and never see it again, don't take it. But if, if you will give that away, if you have a family member or a friend who needs one, please, please take an extra one for them. Okay? So if we're going to begin to live with purpose... Um, This is one of the, I've probably given this book away more than any other in in my days as a pastor. I've given, I think, hundreds of Case for Christ away. So I'm pleased that uh, you get this little booklet here today. Let me tell you a little bit about Lee Strobel. He was a Yale-trained former investigative reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, excuse me, Chicago Tribune, and Lee was a devout atheist, okay? He, he was convinced Jesus' followers were fuzzy-minded and soft-hearted, and he wanted nothing to do with Jesus or the church or the Bible, okay? So everything blew up when Lee's wife Leslie became a follower of Christ, okay? In Lee's words, uh, his fun-loving party girl wife Switch teams on him, okay? She was on my team, and now she's on the other team. But Lee was intrigued because the woman he knew so well, his wife Leslie, now seemed to be filled with more love and grace and peace and joy than he'd ever seen in her before. So Lee said, you know what? I'm going to investigate this, and I'm going to put my skills to work on Jesus and Christianity, and his, his mindset was this, I'm going to prove that Jesus and Bible and Christianity is a hoax. I'm going to prove for everybody that this is just a big joke. Okay, So he started asking questions, and his first questions were, were things like, how were these disciples of Jesus... Who ran away and hid? Why were they willing to die as martyrs? Because he knew that no one is willing to die for a lie. Okay. Uh, after nearly two years of researching the facts, Lee Strobel believed the facts for himself. He was gonna. He was set out. I'm gonna prove it's wrong. It's a big lie. And instead. He believed in Jesus Christ and received Him as Savior and Lord. And he's written the case for Christ, the case for faith, the case for Easter, the case for heaven. But I'd like you to turn with me now. Would you turn to page 21 with me, please? Obviously, I would encourage you. This is, this is good stuff. If you want more, you can go online, Christian Book Distributors, Amazon, find your favorite place you buy books, but you can buy the case for Christ for yourself if you want more. But I want to look at, uh, starting with page 21, there are six pieces of historical evidence that provide powerful proof that Jesus arose from the dead. And what's interesting is each one uh, starts with the letter E, okay? Here we go, first one, first uh powerful proof is the execution that Jesus really died on a Roman cross, okay? Even ancient historians don't argue with the fact that the death of Jesus on a Roman cross is clear and factual and indisputable, okay? Second E, empty tomb. Even the enemies of the cross admitted that the tomb of Jesus was empty. Third, uh, powerful proof. Uh, eyewitnesses over 40 days, nine ancient sources inside and outside of the New Testament confirmed that Jesus was seen alive by over 500 eyewitnesses. Uh, fourth, uh, early accounts, multiple reports of Jesus' resurrection were circulating during the lifetime of Jesus. People who would have been happy to point out the years if the counts had been invented, the earliest reports of Jesus rising from the dead were recorded just a few months after Resurrection Sunday, back there in God's book. I'm telling you, it's it's early. Uh, Six, Emergence of the Church. Apart from the resurrection of Christ from the dead, it's really hard to explain how did the church get started uh, when it emerged in the very city where Jesus had been crucified. Do you understand? If it was a big lie, I'm telling you, the folks who were right there who saw it happen. It grew out of the claim that Jesus Christ had come back to life. And then in the book of Acts, when the early church starts, um, instead of people coming forth and saying, no, it's a lie, it's a hoax, when the message was presented, 3,000 of them trusted in the risen Christ and were baptized, Acts 2 and verse 41. Telling you what, the proofs for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is strong, and powerful and indisputable. Turn with me to page 42, would you? Page 42. What should you do with this information? That's the question at the top. Well, if you already know Jesus personally, these facts should bolster and strengthen our faith. We should leave here this morning with renewed passion renewed courage that the facts are on our side and be ready with love and grace to share with people that Jesus puts in our path, okay? If you're not yet a Jesus follower, my prayer is that as you read this booklet, you'll begin to discover the case for Christ, okay? It's powerful. It's persuasive. And if you still have questions, let me encourage you. Read the entire booklet. Uh, Come and talk to me. Talk to the pastors here on staff. We'd love to discuss this with you. Uh, Order up The Case for Christ. Uh, Get online and order it right up. It'll arrive and read it. Page 43, keep pursuing your search as a front burner issue of your life. Keep your mind and your heart soft. Continue to follow the evidence. Okay? And once you've gathered sufficient amounts of information, don't just sit there. Make a choice. Keep moving towards Jesus Christ. That's my encouragement. Okay? Uh, Page 44, if you would. Page 44. John 1, verse 12. But to all who believed Christ. And accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. Lee writes that he was wrestling with this verse. John 1.12, he reached the point where he knew the weight of the evidence Pointed to a risen Savior a resurrected Christ but he kept asking himself what do I do with this truth do I just keep on living like I've always lived and as he looked at John 1 and verse 12 uh, this formula caught Lee's attention and here's the formula believe plus receive equals become say that with me Believe plus receive equals become. Okay? So he said, I've come to the point of believing the historical facts. I believed that Jesus is the Son of God, and he proved that by rising from the dead. But that formula says that's not enough. John 122 tells us we also need to believe and receive the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life that Jesus purchased for us on that Roman cross. Okay, We need to believe and receive the gift of eternal life. Page 45, look at it. So Lee got down on his knees and admitted to God his lifetime of sin. He said, I I realized I was ready now not just to believe but to receive Jesus as my forgiver and the leader of my life. And at that moment, he became a child of God. He became a child of God. Here's how Paul explains it, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? For it is by believing in your heart that you've been made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Okay? Uh, Let's go to that formula one last time. Believe plus receive equals become. Here's my question as we close. Okay? Final question today Are you ready? to believe and receive and open the door of your life and become a child of God? That's the question as we close. Bow your head, shut your eyes with me. The key question of Christianity is this. Did Jesus arise from the dead Or did he stay dead in the grave? Everything rises or falls with that question. Here's the truth. If Jesus is alive, and if the facts and the evidence for that are clear, and he arose from the grave, then he has proven he is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, Which means he paid the price on that cross for your sin and for mine. Those those are the facts that we need to believe. Question is this: Will you believe those historical facts for you? And will you receive Jesus into your life, even this morning? Will you admit that Jesus took your lifetime of sin on himself? And will you today choose to welcome Jesus into your life and become a child of God? Jesus, speak loudly and clearly. Most of us have been in church a long time. Would you make it clear whether we truly belong to you or not? We need to know that. And if we've just known these facts and believed them but have never received them by faith and we've never opened up the door of our life and become a child of God, would you you make that obvious right now to us?